this was all circulating around the base that a giant had been killed, but no one was supposed to talk about it. I saw three long bony fingers reach up underneath the door, curl up to grab it, and then disappear. When he came over to me, dude, he slithered over to me. And this giant comes out of the cave and they're all frozen. And he starts running and firing at this giant. Well, the giant moves. He's got a spear in one hand and he's running really fast and spears Dan and holds him up like this. Somebody yells, shoot him in the face, shoot him in the face. They basically decapitate him. Got closer, got closer, got closer. When he got about 15 yards away from me, I raised that 12 gauge and I blowed his head off. I feel something pulling at my leg. And I look over and there are two small gray entities pulling at me. And they're literally, I'm getting pulled off the bed. I reached my hand into this bush and I touched air. Couldn't breathe and I couldn't move because I know I'm seeing a monster. Welcome to the show, everybody. You're listening to The Confessionals. I am your host, Tony Merkel. Thank you for being here. If you've had an encounter or a story you'd like to share with me on the show, go ahead and shoot me an email. My email address is theconfessionalspodcast at gmail.com. That's theconfessionalspodcast at gmail.com. Or go to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com. Hit the contact section and you can reach me that way as well. Either way works for me. Just get a hold of me. Now, I want to give you guys some announcements this week. A few weeks ago, we actually launched a new website. It kind of rebranded it a little bit, and it was to gear up for memberships. We are offering memberships on the website right now. You can go ahead and sign up to become a member. And when you become a member, you get an extra show every week. So if you really enjoy the confessionals every week on Tuesdays, every Thursday, we're going to drop another episode for members on the website. So you can look forward to that if you're a member. You also get forums. So you can go in there and post videos, pictures, comments, topics. It's going to be a great place for you to actually converse with other people about paranormal, cryptids, conspiracies, and anything in between. It's really, really cool. And along with the forums, you get a chat room where you can also do live chatting. You get instant messenger and private messages just like Facebook. It's really a very cool tool for you guys to enjoy as members. You'll also get access to Patreon archives of some live shows we did in the past that are going to be available for you as members. And then every once in a while, maybe once a month or once every other month, we're going to do a live show with a live call-in number for listeners to actually call in and talk to myself and the guests and ask questions. This is going to be a really cool feature for everybody that's a member on the website. So if you're interested in becoming a member to the confessionalspodcast.com, head there right now, click the join button and select the plan that you choose. Thank you very much in advance. I really look forward to this new journey on the website with the members. 
Now, this week, we have a great show coming up. We have Eric coming on who has some paranormal experiences, but we start off with his UFO experiences. Now, Eric claims that he's able to actually summon UFOs. He did this through meditation, and he didn't even mean to do it on purpose when he first did it, but it actually happened, and he shares it all on this week's show. But before we get to this week's show, I want to play you a trailer of this week's member episode, episode one for the members. Here's the trailer right now. I was watching my little sister and we were in this brand new house that was brand new had just been built and the fire alarm and the carbon dioxide alarm were all wired into the electricity and they all had brand new batteries because you know they have the backup batteries in case the power goes out and I'm sitting there watching her and I think we were playing I actually think I was doing her hair and as I'm doing her hair, all of a sudden, every single alarm, including the carbon monoxide alarm, starts going off in the house. And I'm like, okay, I like thought there was something really happening in the house, maybe a fire or something. And so I took her outside and I'm like, you wait right here. I'm going to go in and see what's going on. And she said, okay. And I went through the entire house. I checked every room. I felt the walls. I went to the basement and they all went off for around five minutes and then they stopped. And I told my my dad and my stepmom about it. I'm like, the alarms went off today and there was no reason for it. We should call somebody to come and take a look. So they had an electrician come out, check the connections, check them. There was nothing wrong with it. It happened to me and my sister four or five times And at that point, they weren't believing me. They're like, the electrician looked at it. There's nothing going on. You're just scaring your sister. And I'm like, I'm telling you they're going off. I'm not lying. And one night, it went off at midnight while everyone was home and asleep. And... At that point, they started to believe me that the fire alarms were going off. Okay, today we have a great guest coming on. We have Eric, and Eric reached out to me with some UFO encounters, some paranormal encounters, and we're going to get into it with Eric. So, Eric, how you doing, man? I'm doing really well, Tony. How are you? I'm doing good, man. Uh, it's it's a lot of fun doing the show and talking with people. I know we've had uh, some difficulty connecting uh, up front here with the phone connection and stuff. So we're actually using some newer technology that I've uh, actually recently got and stuff. So I'm able to actually record you and we're doing this over uh, Facebook 
And so this is going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited to hear how this audio turns out. But uh, dude, so let's just get into the UFO encounters first and talk to us about what happened. You know, I'm assuming that, you know, this was something that stood out to you as to why you wanted to contact me. So let's, yeah. let's just jump right into it, man. What happened? All right. Um, the UFO stuff is a little bit later on in my whole paranormal activity story. So just bear with me. Um, but I went to school, Southern California, right by the beach. And there's already some type of uh, rumors going around. It's just the energy there. It, it stuff is not apparent to the normal eye. So we were up late one night. I lived in like this trailer park um, with a bunch of surfers and we were up all night and everyone ended up like going to sleep shortly, probably like an hour before sunset. And I had recently gotten into this, uh, doctor turned UFO specialist. And he was talking about, um, how you can access UFOs with your consciousness. So I don't know if it was just partying before that gave me a little liquid courage, but I was like, all right, I'm going to try this. Cause I'm out on my back porch, like looking over the ocean. Um, and I just kind of start meditating and this red light appears in the night sky and it's like a star and it's blinking and not like twinkling, like blinking, like every two or three seconds. And it's red. It's not white or orange or, you know, some hue of that. It's red blinking. And I was a little freaked out. And I'm like, okay. But I also felt like I was connected with whatever this was. And for one, um, I consider myself, from what I've learned from your show, sensitive to things like that. And I didn't know really what it was called or if it was even a thing. Um, But I knew there was not just one probably two or three in whatever, maybe this was a craft or something like that. And as the sun rose over the mountain, because where I'm at, when the sun starts to rise, in order for that light to break, it has to come over this hill that's way off, uh, I guess you would say, in the east. And as the sun rose and the night sky turned into morning, dawn, this red light starts to move. And I'm telling it with my consciousness, with my mind, in this meditative state. But now I have my eyes open. Um, like, don't go. Like, don't go. But I knew it was like they had to go. And probably about five or six more clicks, like flash, flash, flash. And then it was gone. And I was like, okay, I can't really talk about that to anyone. I mean, it could just be me. I've been up for a while. So the next day I sleep for a few hours, I go to work and my job is by the beach. It's a restaurant and I take the local bus after work, uh, shortly after sundown, I'm waiting by the, I'm waiting at the bus stop and it's on a bay of the ocean. So I'll tell you right now, I'm working and living in Malibu at the time. And from Malibu, you can see San Pedro and I can, it might be like 40 miles across the ocean. So you just see like these, this beautiful hill with these twinkling lights. And I'm just waiting on the bus and I see this blue light going across San Pedro. And I'm like, oh, there's a police chase going on or something. 
But then I'm thinking I've seen them uh, burn off the oil refineries from that side of the bay. And even a fire that's probably 10 stories high, that it takes a light that bright to hew all the way over to Malibu where I'm at. And so I'm like, this isn't a police chase because one, this light isn't getting obstructed by any trees or anything that's over there. Um, but it looks like almost like a street light is just moving across Palos Verdes. And I'm just like, and it's blue and I'm tripping out. Um, but my bus comes and I get off and it's about a 20 minute walk from my next bus stop. So probably about 40 minutes later, I walk back into the trailer that we're all living in. And one of my buddies is like UFO over San Pedro, UFO over San Pedro. I didn't say anything. I didn't say a word about it. I'm like, I'm not going to have people thinking I'm crazy or anything like that. And it was just total validation. And I'm like, it was a blue light, wasn't it? And he was like, yeah, and there's a video on YouTube. And this video is still on YouTube to this day um, with some people that were in that area. And it actually flew right over them. Um, it looked similar in the video to what people have said was the SpaceX launch. I know there was that UFO sighting over LA, I think earlier this year, maybe 2017. Um, and after the fact, they're like, oh, it's SpaceX. But even like celebrities and things like that were like, that is not a rocket. Um, and that's exactly what this blue light looked like, I guess, up close. So I had that red light encounter earlier that morning. And then this blue light showed up. And I'm like thinking to myself, did I do this? Like, did I like stir up something? Um, but in the meantime, prior to one of the more intense sightings, uh, I was working at a nice family home in Malibu in the hills. And their neighbors, um, this will all kind of come full circle. It might sound kind of random at first, but I would go to work at a certain time a few times a week. Let's say like, I'd get there after lunch um, because I work with cameras. So the television industry goes to lunch like one to two. So if I come back after three, everyone's had lunch, they're in a good mood. I start making calls. But every time I would walk up or if I was leaving at lunchtime around the same time every day, I think it was around 2.30. Um, the neighbor, they were always doing construction on their house, but I never saw the house really change that much. And this guy, I thought he was the owner's son or something. Blonde hair, blue eyes, good-looking dude, is always at his truck, taking off his shirt, and then going off on a run at the exact same time every day. And I was like, that's so weird, because every time I'm walking down this driveway, I see this guy. So eventually, let's say six months later, I actually ended up moving in with my boss, because I was in between places, and I had worked in his home office. And he was like, yeah, just, just hang out here. And I'm having dinner with him and his wife. Um, and actually, he was out of town, and his wife told me, that that family that house was so weird and i was like well, what do you mean and she says well for one if you notice there's never any lights on at night and i was like huh i actually never noticed that but there aren't any lights on over there and two um her neighbor on her other side they all have kind of have like a uh, community watch program for their little cul-de-sac and he said that one night he saw these guys in hoods like moving stuff in and out of the house, like a team of people and like black hoods and like black sweats or whatever. Um, 
And for me, I don't know if it's just my intuition, but something says like extraterrestrial family living right here. <laughs> and um, that there's some other, I don't know if um, on my way up, I used to run to work and it was about a three mile run. And then I'd work for like a few hours and then I'd run back and it was a great way to get a workout, whatever. And I know on the way up there on the street, after about a month of doing that up this incline, there's this bloody, it looks like a claw print or a footprint and it's three long toes and then the back of the foot extended and it's, it's blood and it's in the asphalt. And then there's this long like lizard or possum tail right by it. And so when I'm running, cause there's no sidewalk, you know, I got to run on the shoulder of this curvy, hilly Malibu Hills road. This thing, I mean, rain or shine day after day did not wash away and I'm not going to touch it. And I guess I never took a picture of it because I was in the middle of my run and I was on an incline going up. Um, so I didn't want to like stop and have to catch my breath and stuff, but I'll never forget it. Um, I don't know which show I was listening to, but I've heard of a creature that had feet like that. And it's like a winged type. Uh, I don't know if it's like the Jersey devil type thing, but I uh, definitely matched the description and moving on from, yeah, moving on from Malibu. Um, I moved to North Hollywood and got into the industry, so to speak. Um, the day I adopted my dog, um, I'll never forget. It was February 18th, uh, 2017. And I take him out for his first walk. I bring him from West LA to my place in North Hollywood. And I'm like, this is great. Like I'm about to take this new dog out for his first walk. And we step outside my apartment complex and I live near Burbank airport. So there's always airplanes going by, helicopters and stuff. It's just typical L.A. But I'm also one that always looks up if I hear some type of engine or something going. And I did. And um, this was, like, by far the most mind-blowing thing. And I was, like, humbled to experience it, but also pretty ticked off. Because after spending the whole day at the dog pound and riding around and um, you know, shared rides and things like that. Cause I don't own a car in LA. I just like go on the app and hail one. Um, my phone was at 1%, so it wouldn't let me record anything. And the thing about my encounter, I know most people say like their encounter was completely silent. Mine was really, really loud. And it sounded like a jetliner, like an Airbus going overhead. But this thing was super low. And I'm saying low because I could see details, but it also, it's weird because, because of my perception and never having seen something like this, it might not have been that low and just been that big. Um, but it looked like something out of Star Trek and like round disc shape, except like two thick stack discs. And I'm saying stacked with like stories of a building in between each. And so just like round saucers, top and bottom and in the middle, and then lights, square like window panes going all around um, the sides of it. And these things are lighting up and going off like a city, like almost like how San Pedro looks 
across the water from a distance. Or like if you're flying in on a plane to a city and you see the lights twinkling, um, they were going on and off like that. It looked like a city up in the sky. Like it was huge. Um, so two round, like double decker. It, I, I don't know if it's a mothership. I mean, maybe something like that is just a minuscule compared to what actually a mothership is or something, but it was low enough to be heard in my opinion. And on the back of it, I'll never forget was a, like, a like brake lights in the shape of a triangle in the center. And so when I say a triangle, I mean, round lights, um, in line with each other to where they make the shape of a triangle and uh, white lights going around the triangle and then it hues red and it goes around the triangle white lights. And I'm thinking maybe this thing now, like looking back on it, maybe this thing was in distress, which is why it was like glowing a red triangle on the back. And it just goes slowly down the street. Like even the cars going by me, were going faster than this thing. I would say it was probably cruising from where I'm at like 25 miles per hour. And I'm freaking out because one, my phone doesn't work. And the only time something like that has happened before, I'm like, huh, of course this would happen, was another paranormal experience I don't think has to do with UFOs, but more so like conspiracy stuff, um, where like everyone's phone just doesn't work or everyone's battery dies. And you can't capture the moment. Like I've been in instances like that, and this felt exactly like that. Um, And that was pretty... That was pretty uh, hardcore for me. And I saw a helicopter when it was probably, let's say, 20 blocks down in Burbank, because at this point I'm closer to, I was right on the line of um, this neighbor, like not neighborhood, but community, Toluca Lake, Burbank, and Studio City. Like that's where my apartment complex was. So this was in Burbank, closer to the airport. And I saw a helicopter kind of come and escort it. And then it turned out over the hills, like passed over Pasadena. And once it goes over that, like it was out of sight. So, and I know. Saw, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. You saw a helicopter escorting it. I saw a helicopter go up to it and I expected wow. that. Yeah. Because that blue light in San Pedro on that video, you'll see a jet go up to that thing. And um, I don't want to mention the guy's name that talks about like raising consciousness to because I don't know if I can do that um, to contact UFOs. But he's got documentaries and things like that where they'll show jets and fighter pilots coming in to get these UFOs out of there. So there's some, in my opinion, some type of defense system set up that is really one old and dated (laughs) wouldn't work if we needed it and i don't think these things are menacing um by any sense of the word because i actually those neighbors in malibu i met them uh, the owner of the house um at the restaurant i worked at everyone came to that restaurant and he was a really nice guy but him his family all blonde blue eyes i don't know anunnaki i don't know but um (laughs) it was yeah so that's from uh, I think that might UFO wise, like that's what I've seen with my eyes. Um, and I've had had friends like when I'm just around the corner, say they experience something, but that's, yeah. Well, I mean, dude, so 
you went through a lot there and I got to ask you, first of all, uh, those neighbors, the way you described them, especially with the <laughs> hoods going in and out and stuff. Did you ever see the movie The Burbs back in the like the 80s or 90s with Tom no, Hanks? No, I've heard of it. Oh, Dude. The Burbs, not The, the Burbs, Burbs, The Burbs. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Honey, have you seen your father? I think he's in the basement with Art. He's playing canasta or something. Honey? Ray? Art, you had a dream you were going to win the lottery and you blew $500. Oh, oh, I can't believe you're still bringing that up. I had a dream a plane was going to crash, so you took the bus to Las Vegas. If I'd have been on the plane, it would have crashed. And it doesn't matter. This wasn't a dream. This was a vision. I'm telling you, these people are Satanists. As I sit here, they are Satanists. Look, look, the world is full of these kind of things. Look at this. Black masses, mutilations, mutilations. The incubus, the succubus. I'm telling you, Walter was a human sacrifice. You should have gone to the lake, man. I should have listened to Carol. I should listen to your wife. Who listens to their wife? Listen, you got to listen to me. You know what the deal is? What we got to do is we got to go down to the religious supply store. We got to get ourselves a couple of gallons of holy water. My cousin Jerry's a priest. He can get us a deal. No, no. We got to then we got to go to the market. We got to get ourselves a couple of those big strings. You know they string that garlic. A couple big strings of garlic. We got to get ourselves some fresh lamb's blood, and then we got. Ray, do you want him to take your family, kidnap them, tear their livers out, and make some kind of satanic pate? I'm not going to listen to this. Ray, you're chanting. I'm not going to Ray. hear this now. I'm not Ray, look. going to Ray. listen to this. Unconscious chanting. You're chanting. I want to kill everyone. Satan is good. Satan is our pal. Ray, Ray. You're chanting. Hey. Once they get in here, it's over, pal. Satanists, huh? Ritual killers. Nice. Very, very nice. So let me get this straight. The Klopex are offering up Walter as a sort of human sacrifice to Beelzebub, is that it? That's one of the theories, yeah. Great. Great. So, this is your relaxing week at home, huh? Oh, I wouldn't have missed this for the world. Week in Jonestown. Where are you going? the bathroom relax dude i'm telling you that's exactly what i started thinking <laughs> i started thinking i was like sounds like the freaking burbs and he's Tom Hanks. dude whatever you do don't go in their basement okay <laughs> all right all right i got you but yeah no that that it's fascinating and before we go on anything else the bloody footprint uh that's kind of um, I don't know, freaky. Uh, I've, yeah. I've had several people, I think at least two or three people on my show describing similar things where uh, they, it wasn't bloody, bloody footprints, but I had, I remember I had a guy on the show and I can't remember which episode it was. I want to say it was the one with the federal officer, uh, but he, somebody had described uh, a footprint on their driveway and they sent me pictures of these footprints. They, they were, the stride length was very, very long mm -hmm. and it had three toe prints and a heel that it was showing and just just the three toe prints and heel was about the size of his i think it was a 10 and a half 11 foot foot uh, boot print and so it was mm -hmm. very sizable and but the stride length was probably about five and a half six feet and so it was just very awkward and you saw it walking through the driveway it was several footprints wow. and what was unique about that is if i remember correctly it was like the footprints were wet, 
but the footprints didn't go away. They, they were there for a while. It was on a drive. It was on a driveway, dry driveway, and it. They were just there. They faded, wow. but they weren't. They weren't going anywhere. And it's just. It's very. It's similar in the sense of what you described, uh, mm-hmm. but it's. I find it interesting. I find it interesting that 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 you had that experience and that that experience. Do you relate that back to the burbs? Uh, as far as the footprint. Yeah, the footprint. I mean, I, the burbs, as in the the crazy Anunnaki blondies <laughs> yeah i mean that was just on the way to their house now that was probably um a good mile and a half away from their driveway and like curvy roads and things like that um if there was any type of like shape shifting or anything but my thing is that whole neighborhood is full of the ultra rich and if anybody's going to be ultra rich on this planet it'll probably be people that have the ability, people or beings that have the ability to, you know, cover their identity and leave this planet. So I don't even, I don't even think it was that, you know, Anunnaki blonde, blue eyed family. I think it could just be something else that happens to live in that neighborhood. Um, Cause wow. that's just, it just seems like that's the kind of party that's going on over there. Oh my gosh. Uh, I, I got to stop by this neighborhood someday. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, the curiosity. We got boring old towns around here on, in, on the East Coast. You guys got some interesting stuff out there on the West Coast. Dude. But so that let's rewind here back to the very beginning. So the, the way you described, I believe, is summoning UFOs. Am I correct in saying that? Yeah. And I hate to say summoning um, no, because fine. I know it sounds demonic. No, I mean... We all have our own opinions as to what this stuff is, but the reason why I bring that up is because it also reminded me of another show. Uh, I believe it was episode sixty. I was talking with Jason, and his whole thing was that he learned from somebody. Uh, I think it might have been an organization or something, but he went out with these people to meditate and learn how to summon UFOs, and he learned how to do it. And he lives in New York City. Okay, and, and it's a very similar thing as to what you described to me. Uh, so I, I don't know if you guys learn from the same person or something like that, but uh, it's it's interesting. What, what prompted you to to go down that path? Honestly, I don't know how I stumbled upon it. I mean, I'm the type of guy that if a friend showed me a YouTube video, I would, uh, how do you say, vehemently refuse to watch some trendy YouTube video with a whole bunch of people and then recite it. But what I will do is go home in my room and go on YouTube and look up top 10 ghost videos and paranormal. And when I saw these UFOs, I started looking up UFOs. Um, And I will say with that UFO in North Hollywood, when it left, I had a complete sense of relief because before that I had been getting terrorized and I couldn't pin it to a stalker um, because I didn't see anyone, but it would be things from like my phone missing in the morning. And then I'd go home from at lunch and it wasn't there. And then I come home at five thirty-six, and my phone is on my nightstand. And then it has all these screenshots on it of, um, someone I think is uh, extraterrestrial, um, ultra-rich person I came to know and probably ticked off or something. That's the only conclusion I could draw because once I got the dog for protection 
that thing, when it, when we walked out of our house for the first time, it looked like it almost, it came from right above my house and left and this huge sense of relief. So uh, going back to like conscious and connecting with them, I must have stumbled upon this guy, um, just going on YouTube and what he was talking about was really legit. Um, but not popularized. And that makes me want to dive in more. So then I'm looking more into what he's saying, more into his methods. And he too shows groups of people going out around here. Joshua Tree, um, from what I've heard, is a very, and from his, documentar his documentaries, a uh, very active UFO spot. But they go there and they have on camera, they are all consciously, you know, meditating or connecting and what he explains and what i believe is that our consciousness as humans is our most powerful tool and it's the one thing that you can go into the conspiracy about fluoride in the water and that hardening the pineal gland and the pineal gland being responsible for creativity and uh, you know that drive that will make someone willing to protest and fight or stand up for what's right and things like that rather than being docile and complacent and not creative um, and we live in a culture where artists are have to struggle which is crazy because artists in the renaissance period or some of the most decorated um citizens you know that walked around the streets they were commissioned to do great works by the the royals so now artistry is not and this is all to me as an artist and then also as someone that does the grind nine to five thing um it just all kind of fits into place after what I experienced. So when this thing left over my house in North Hollywood, this huge sense of relief left. And I don't think it's something we really have to concentrate too hard on. I think it's innate. I mean, um, I'm a big dog lover and I research like why do dogs have whiskers and it's, they pick up on mag magnetic fields so they can sense danger. I know that I have that too. I don't know if everyone else has it, but uh, people that say, oh, I woke up and I feel like there was a ghost in my room and things like that. That's a magnetic field. That's what your body is sensing. <laughs> like, that's what's so awesome about being alive is that we have that. Um, and maybe that's something that's lost on the other side. And so maybe that's why ghosts wander. I don't know. Um, I don't know if that answers your question. I know I went off on a little tangent there. No, it's fine, man. It's absolutely fine. Uh, it's just, I, I just find this whole thing interesting because, I mean, I, I'm the kind of person, I'm not, you're not going to catch me trying to summon UFOs. I'm just not going <laughs> to But, uh, you know, I, I, you're the second person that I've personally talked to that, that has actively tried doing that and found success. Now, the red light blinking that you first shared about, uh, that, was that the very first time you tried this? That was. That was the very first time. So, and I, yeah. I mean, with that, then, do you think that there's any kind of way that uh, because you were focused on trying to summon a UFO that you might have mistaken a red light blinking for for a UFO that might have been a plane? Like, what what made you so sure that this was something out of the ordinary uh, that wasn't a plane? Was it just that it was, was it stationary? Was it not moving away or towards you or what? Sure. Um, so where I was at in Malibu, we can see meteor showers at certain times of the year. I know what those look like. Um, there's also major airports and you can also, it's beautiful to see the planes line up so that they can land and see planes take off. Um, this wasn't a plane and it, it looked like a star. Um, and the blinking was too delayed to be 
a terrestrial made aircraft. Um, and the stationary position, I mean, I was out there before sunrise and as the sun starts rising, this thing slowly starts going, not closer, not over the hills, but up and over. So if you're looking at a clock, like 12 o'clock, I'm looking at it, it was going like up past 10 o'clock at that angle. And then it just goes out and goes away. Now, I was willing to say, yeah, that could have been a plane, could have been something else. But when the blue light showed up, and then it's on YouTube, and a lot of people in the area witnessed this, the same within 24 hours, not even. Um, that was pretty much the nail in the coffin, so to speak, um, for that uh, you know, belief or perception of that. So getting to this double-decker UFO that you saw now, dude, it sounds like something out of freaking Star Trek or something. That's what it yeah. sounds like, you know? Uh, you're out there in Hollywood and stuff. I mean, uh, who knows, right? Maybe they were playing games with you, but I don't think they were. What you saw was so unique. Now, and this was in daylight, right? Uh, this was shortly like dusk, let's say. Yeah, because okay. it was like turning tonight. So when you saw this, I mean, and you said it was in LA, right? Correct. Yeah. All right. So, I mean, were you the only one that saw this? Did anybody else notice this? Did you notice anybody else seeing this? So I had to, my phone was at 1% when I saw it. So the phone died while I was out walking the dog. So I had to like come home, let it charge after walking the dog. And I looked up like UFOs over North Hollywood. And once you type in UFO, like the search engines aren't made to do that. And this is a whole conspiracy thing for me, but it's almost like, to me, like these things are filtered out so that even if you do see something in your area, in your neighborhood, you can't just go on Google and type in UFO in my neighborhood because it's just going to get pushed out or whatever and not popularized and not put at the top of the list. Um, so, no, unfortunately, and um, as insane as it sounds, it was so... Uh, real and the sound of it um, the fact that it wasn't just one or two seconds um, I saw this thing go down the street and I mean when I walked my dog we went to one of my restaurants around there my favorite restaurants and I was free I was telling these guys in Spanish like extraterrestrial like I saw something out there um, but I have not encountered anyone now I haven't posted this or anything or asked around other than going on the search engine on the internet. And I really didn't want to because that huge sense of relief had left me. So, um, or I guess I got that huge sense of relief. So I was like, okay, like this chapter in my life, um, is over. Like, and I moved on and me and my dog have been living a pretty, uh, non X E T life, so to speak. Wow. All right. So, you summoned a UFO, the red light appears, and that started this whole roller coaster for you. Were you did you ever try summoning anything since then, or was this just like the open door for you? And then after this event, everything closed and that was it. Um, I'm still open to it because I know it's uh it's uh it's meditative. It's like my consciousness. Um have I tried it again? No. Um, where I'm at now, I'm in a very rural town um, with my family. And if anything skeptical like that was going to happen, it could happen here. 
And I kind of didn't mind doing it in a more populated area. But when it's less populated, I'm like, I'm sleeping yeah. by a window. I don't want something to come snatch yeah. me out. So, um, but I'm, I'm definitely open to it. And I'm, you know, once I get more established and stable in my career and stuff like that, it would definitely be something that is going to be a lifetime venture. Because I would hope to be involved with it before there's any like disclosure. And then it, I don't want to be like, aha, but more so well prepared and not so shocked in a panic and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, you, if you're out there in the rural area and stuff, and you start doing it out there, all of a sudden your property turns into Stardust Ranch with John Edmonds, and he has right. he have alien, alien portals coming through, and all of a sudden you're like, crap, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's not a good thing, man, not a good thing. But um, yeah, that's interesting stuff, man. And before we get on to the paranormal stuff, and I know you referenced that that happened, at least started more earlier in your life, and we'll get into that. I wanted to ask you about the stalker that you felt you had going on, that you like you were finding screenshots on your phone, so somebody physically had to do that. And you, and I think you referenced that you had an idea of who it was. Uh, can yeah. you go into that a little bit more? Like, I mean, like, can you tell us who you think it was or, you know, anything? Because I'm, I'm super curious. Sure, sure. And I can understand that. me opening that door um, for curiosity in that regard. So I'll, I won't say any specific names, but um, I'll be general, uh, but at the same time, give you a good idea. So there's um, there's a few people I might have ticked off in my day or two going through college um and living in malibu you know you're gonna encounter people like i'm not rich i've never been well off but um i have lived a life and done things where it got me to a place to rub shoulders with people like that um the person i'm thinking of first and foremost she was um definitely into a lot of rock music um, uh, like, I don't know, metal and grunge, like, and she could afford to go to these shows. Um, and I'm pretty sure at one time or another confessed to being a Satanist and she wasn't the first person, one that I'd lived with, um, that was okay with, uh, the pentagram hanging up in their house and stuff like that. Um, and listening to heavy metal, rock and roll music um and i mean throughout my years in college i pretty much got like a crash course in rock music because i show up i don't know anything about it um but my friends that i ended up living with not just her um these guys i lived with before were the same way and they're like oh you don't know this band like oh you never listened to pink floyd uh backwards so they next thing you know the lights are off and we got a record player and they're actually putting on the album and i blacked out and um, really you know yeah yeah that was pretty freaky and i'm not saying i'm some um i know i'm you know i believe in jesus i'm a christian but i know i've also made some really poor decisions with uh <laughs> hanging out and playing around with these people um so uh, working in the industry um I also pissed off a, a superior there. We'll say that um, working in television film. And so I don't know whether it's that guy. I don't know if it's this chick I used to live with because um, when my dad died in 2015, 
um, it was less than two weeks later, uh, this place I lived in uh, for almost three years at that point, she went from saying, hey, I know you're working at this restaurant still while you look for a job, um, but you got to move out. You got to go. And uh, that just like two weeks after my dad died. And so our mutual friends, you know, I would throw it around. I'm like, dude, I'm going to freaking sue this chick. Like, she's not even a U.S. citizen. Um, she's not. <laughs> and so <laughs> if she gets a subpoena, like, they're going to automatically have to pay because there's no one here to serve. And they own this property. So maybe she got wind of that and that pissed her off. Maybe this guy I worked with and complained about, um, I couldn't tell. And so I was getting terrorized and it's it almost got to the point where I'm like, maybe they're all part of some secret society of the ultra rich. And when you take off one, you know, word gets around and they just decide to pick on you or something. I mean, yeah. there's this movie uh, with Michael Douglas called the game where Sean Penn, like his brother is like, Oh, there's this crazy game. And it's like this whole secret society and all everything is just a facade like he's at the hospital and all the lights go out and things like that it felt like that but at the same time so let's say i was walking home from the store something i would buy at the store all the time little packages of it would be along the sidewalk and i'm thinking did i and this is in like north hollywood super busy and i'm like did i drop that yesterday I'm like, wait a minute, I know I didn't drop that because one, I'm not going to get a ticket for littering. Not that anybody gets that in North Hollywood, but I'm just, you know, I consider myself a steward of this earth. Like, I don't do that. But for this to be like on my street, literally going up to my door, like someone's trying to tell me something. And um, we had, I went out for uh, a smoke at like midnight one night and my garage door to the apartment complex just opens. And this is the entrance. So if a car were to open this, someone living there, and this wasn't a big community, um, they would have been turning in from this main street. There was no car turning in or coming out. And so I was like, all right. Um, and I actually told my roommate, and I was like, hey, yeah, the garage door just opened. And literally, I didn't even have to finish that sentence before she was out the door to a friend's house. She's like, I'm not staying here tonight. Um, <laughs> because she had felt this and she made it pretty obvious. She felt a really bad energy going on with me during that time. She was always burning sage. Um, and I don't want to jump too much into her story, but there's some like ghost stuff with her and that apartment. Um, and even beyond the ghost stuff, you know, I'd be hanging out with my dog and I'd hear a knock at the door. And my neighbor from downstairs is like, who's stopping? Who is going back and forth stopping? And I'm like, we're sitting on the couch watching TV. We're the only ones home. No one's here. And she's like, you guys are right above me. And someone's walking back and forth, back and forth. And I'm just getting in my rent checks. I put my rent checks. I paid them to my landlord in the black lockbox during this time. It was like February 2017 is when everything culminated. And, um, my landlord is like, yeah, your rent checks are missing. Like, I'm like, what are you talking about? I put them where everyone else puts their rent checks. Like you guys pick them up. Um, I can go to the bank and show you that they're printed out. And they're like, no, like we can't find them. And I mean, this went on for like two months. They were saying they couldn't find these checks. And so just so much stuff and, um, social media, 
like uh, we're connecting on Facebook right now. I haven't been on Facebook for almost, uh, it'll be two years in 2019 because I was getting stalked on there and it would be different profiles and different apps I was on, but the same voice, the same voice, um, super friendly at first, but then very too friendly. Like, okay, well let's hang out or come meet me here. Like, dude, I've just been talking to you for like two minutes. Like, what are you talking about? Um, and, uh, people at my job would say things that only I would know from stuff on my phone. And I'm like, maybe I'm being too sensitive. Like they might say it in passing or just jokingly. Um, and so, I mean, I'm going to be real. Like I'm a guy, I got a lot of personal stuff on my phone. Like, and on my computer. So if somebody <laughs> is going to say something that's like uh, spot on with something I was looking on on the internet last night, um, it's weird. Like, it's like, what are the odds? No, there's not odds. Like, this is all even. Like, it's very plain and simple. Like, someone is messing with you. So I, it's really hard to explain. And it, it makes me probably sound like a fanatic or something like that. But you know, I experienced it and uh, my life is what it is. And I mean, that was, it's been a really, that was tough. Uh, 2000, into 2016, 2017, um, probably one of the most trying times of my life, especially as a young adult. Um, so needless to say, I don't work in the industry anymore. I don't keep up with a lot of friends from Malibu. Um, and I just keep a close circle and me and my dog. And yeah. So, this this whole thing kind of drove you away from that. I mean, so wow, I, it does. It definitely to me, it does sound like you had some somebody or some people uh, messing with you, and that's kind of that's kind of creepy to think about. Uh, you know, I you hear especially with me, I, I hear mm-hmm. a lot of different people's experiences, and uh, you hear people's theories about the movie industry, Hollywood, and, you know, the underlying current of Satanism that goes on there. Right. Uh, you mentioned, you mentioned about, I think you said it was a roommate or something being Satan, say, uh, Satanist and the music and all that stuff. And, and, you know, cause you mentioned also about, you know, am I being too sensitive? Uh, and I often question myself on those kind of things too. I, I, mm-hmm. I, I listen to things and I catch things that I never caught before. And I don't know if it's because, I'm I'm more open to hearing things now because this is what I do. So I, I catch things I wouldn't have caught before. Uh, for instance, the I I don't know. Do you are you do you follow hip hop at all? Because you hear things about how you know Jay Z, Beyonce, Satanist. Uh, J, uh, Beyonce's drummer just recently was in the news saying she's trying to sue her for uh, performing some kind of right. uh, witchcraft rich, witchcraft on her and to me it doesn't surprise me because I know who her husband is look at his mm-hmm. look at his uh, clothing line Rockaware and the things that he puts on it he openly admits that he's a Satanist right. and so if you're married to a Satanist what do you think she is you know what I mean <laughs> so <laughs> I mean just let's just be honest here I, I mean it's it just it, it is what it is you know when I was talking about my phone power out. Um, when I was in New York City, actually, I'm a singer songwriter. I was working on music um, at this place, uh, the Manhattan Center. And there's two ballrooms in there. And the one on the top floor, they do a lot of smaller concerts there. And so there was this uh, MasterCard concert. 
uh, with Justin Timberlake and our studio was above that. And they, you know, they started MTV in this building. Um, and you have to go up to the eighth floor and then we're on the ninth floor. So we could actually sit where they actually used to have cameras looking down into this ballroom, which this ballroom is actually a Masonic temple. Um, and watch like wrestling and all these shows they were filming. But when actually that's a lot, Justin, the Justin Timberlake concert was in the downstairs ballroom and we, uh, went on the fire escape and came in from, uh, the top because we had access to the fire escape from where we were at and security knew we worked in the building. So we could pretty much do whatever we wanted, which was super cool. Um, but we were all at the JT concert and there's only a thousand people in the audience. And we are up in the balcony, like the top, top balcony. Um, because one, we're not, we didn't pay and we work there. So we weren't really supposed to be there, but we could be there. And there's four of us, all of our phones, we're charging them while he's performing all of them zero, like 1% to where you can't use your phone and stuff to record it. And as much as I love his music and hip hop and stuff like that, afterwards, even then while I was there, not just looking back on it, I felt like something had happened to me. Like this was a, like a ritual um, type thing. Like, and I think for me being sensitive and um, being spiritually inclined, I can pick up on stuff like that. And something definitely like if you are a fanatic or something, and that's why they probably have so many fanatical fans because they put them under some spell or something like that. And I think mine, my spiritual block, you know, being baptized in the name of Jesus, and I was baptized in the Jordan River in Israel. So Dang, when I go all in, <laughs> yeah, dude, like I, I'm not scared um, when things like this happen. And I know that, you know, like with being terrorized and things like that, I'm something, okay, <laughs> like, I know that there's a calling on my life. And one, I know this because a woman came up to me when I was a kid and I was in South Carolina traveling around to trade shows with my mom. My mom made little dolls and so I'd help her set up her stand and stuff and deal with the money. And this woman just, I look up, she's standing there. And uh, she's a black chick. She's got like gold dreadlocks. And she's just like, look at me right in my eyes. She's like, hey, I'm a prophetess. And I want to tell you that you one day you're going to lead a lot of people. And I was like 10, 11 years old. And I'm like, huh? And she's like, you one day are going to lead a lot of people. And then she just started to walk away. And I look at my mom and I look back and the lady's like gone. And I tell, well, no, she wasn't gone. I could see her head kind of bopping in the crowd, but she was just like not near me. And um, I said, mom, did you see that lady that just talked to me? And I'm like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, she just told me I was going to like lead a lot of people one day, which is really weird because I was class president all four years of high school and I had never gone to public school before. I went to public school south of DC and I was, and that was like, okay, my first experience with leadership. And then I go to college and I actually end up getting a degree in leadership and I won all these awards. Um, I met uh, the governor, Tim Kaine. Uh, I, I met him in 2007 because 
I won governor of Boise State Virginia Conference, where you reenact government from the ground up. And I didn't even, I was just there to get it on my resume. They take the top five juniors in every state. They do this out of college every year and top five juniors from a high school and they send them to a college. There's boys state and girls state. And you literally break up into a dorm. That's your town. You elect chapel, you elect a mayor. And the whole big thing is you can elect for the whole conference, a governor, um, I guess a lieutenant governor or whatever, um, or attorney general. And, um, my whole town, my dorm, I just see them walking towards me and they're like, you're going to run for governor. And I'm like, what? Like, I just, I'm just here, dude. Like, what are you talking about? They're like, no, you're going to run. And I ran and I won. So I met Tim Kaine because he comes there and he announces any governor of every state has to announce this thing. Um, like Bill Clinton, he won it for Colorado. And I don't know if this is some type of induction ceremony or something like that to get people involved with politics or whatever. Um, but I learned a lot about how this supposed democracy works. Um, and just uh, maybe a few weeks after that, I'm in Chicago for a national speaking competition. And uh, my mom was married to a Secret Service agent. So I don't think this was happenstance that she just so happened to be uh, in the shopping department with Oprah, but I just happened to be across the street on the Magnificent Mile shopping with a friend of mine. And my mom calls me. She's like, look, Oprah's over here. I told her you're going to come over, like come meet her. So I actually went and met Oprah in 2007. The crazy thing about this is almost seven years to the day, and I'll never forget it because it was July 7th. Uh, no, it was July 21st, 2014. So 7, 21, 14. Those are all multiples of seven, one, three, two. Um, I am catering in New York City while I'm working on music. I have my little odd jobs, delivery and catering. And I'm just standing in this room in the studio place and Oprah walks in. Almost seven years to the day, I met her seven years before that. And I'm like, hey, do you actually remember me? She like shakes my hand or whatever. She's like, yeah, I do. So... I don't know what type of call is on my life. And when I got baptized in Israel, um, we were at where the woman with the issue of blood, that story, I think it's the town of Capernaum, when they were like, oh, okay, we got to go because someone wants to get baptized. But these uh, tourist pools are actually closed. So we're going to go to a local spot. So these t they took these two charter buses, pulled them off the road, by the Jordan River in like this forested area. And there's this old bridge there. And so they're like, so this place is a bridge where when Jerusalem was getting, um, how do you say, seized, uh, the general fell off the bridge and he actually hit his head and died. And his name is Eric. So this is called Eric's Bridge. And they're like, who's getting baptized? And everyone was like, what? <laughs> so I got baptized right there. So like God does not work in mysterious ways for me. It's very apparent. Um, I know there's a calling on my life, and I know that's why I have been getting attacked so much. And it's also an incentive to keep going. And if anybody's going to hear right. anything, if you're under some type of duress like that and you just seem confused, you know, that's the, the enemy is the author of confusion. So um, it's everything has like now at this age come full circle, but when I was in it, I sometimes went along with it and I'm, I'm not going to lie. Like there was times I was like, you know what? I'm not going with God. Like when I was in New York city, I was like, I'm going to be an atheist. 
And literally, there's some paranormal ghost stuff that happened in that building. And actually, Eli Tesla died in the hotel that shares a wall with that building. There's secret passages in there where you can be in the New Yorker Hotel or in the Manhattan Center. Like, I've seen some crazy stuff, Tony. (laughs) Dude, dude, you are a freaking loaded chamber and a half, man. You came hunting for bear today. (laughs) That's fantastic, dude. Wow. So I don't even know where to go right now. Yeah. Let's, <laughs> let's do this. Let's do this. Uh, let's get on to some of the paranormal things and okay. uh, we'll see where, where the rest of this interview takes us. Uh, but there, I, I want to just say before we move on to the paranormal things, uh, I think a lot of people in life have synchronicities that happen in their life. It's just, are they, are they tuned in to hear it and to see it? Mm-hmm. And it sounds like you are very tuned in to seeing those synchronicities. Uh, I am as well. I, I do see a lot of parallels and I'm like, I, I, I can't go into details, but right now that I'm at a very pivotal point in my life, uh, mm-hmm. the next two weeks of my life are going to um, decide a lot. But leading up to those two weeks, looking back, uh, or these two weeks, looking back, everything in my entire life seems to be leading up to this one moment. And I can pick things out where it's like, if that didn't happen, this couldn't happen. If this happened, right. if this happened, I wouldn't be here. And it's just like, it's unbelievable what's going on. It's I'm filled with a lot of anxiety right mm-hmm. now because of it. But at the same time, when I step back from the anxiety, I got to say, you know, there's a reason why this is happening right now. Right. Everything that everything that happened before has led up to this moment. And I really feel like this is where God is leading me in life. And I just got to trust that things are going to come through. And uh, if not, it's not a big deal. Misread the situation. But uh, right now, I just feel like uh, I can relate to what you said a lot there. But um, that said, well, yeah. thank you. Let, absolutely, man. Uh, let's get into some of the paranormal experiences that you had. Uh, it, if I, I'm not, I'm not gonna put it out there as fact, but I would venture to say you probably have a lot to say. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's 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 see where, where we can go with this. Uh, just kick us off, man, because you said that it happened before the UFO stuff. So where 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 are we going with this? Okay. Well, we can start in Georgia um, because I've listened to your show. So I kind of picked up and you actually reminded me, your show reminded me of things that I've experienced. So I grew up in Georgia as a kid, let's say uh, three years old to 11 years old. So one of the major things that happened when I was riding my big wheel, we moved around a few uh, townhouse subdivisions and apartment complexes. One of the first uh, townhouse subdivisions. Uh, this is Georgia outside of Atlanta, kind of rural. Um, the back of the townhouses ran along a wooded area that sloped down a hill. So I'm riding my big wheel, probably what, five, six years old. And I'm racing my neighbor that lives two doors down. We say, okay, on your market set, go. And so we're going on the sidewalk that goes behind the townhouses along their backyard fences. And on the other side, to my right, is the wooded area. Well, as I round the corner, I'm about a house in. And in my memory, something, I stop. And it wasn't like my, it was my decision, but it wasn't my decision. Like, I don't see anything in my memory, like, standing there. 
but I stopped as if there was something there. And from what I can remember, I'm lifted up off the ground and I don't feel hands on me. I don't feel a human's hands. And I couldn't even tell you to this day, like what this person, this man looked like, but that's what I ended up telling the cops because that's how serious this incident was. Um, I am lifted up in the air about five feet and I'm pedaling on my big wheel, just pedaling like to where it sets me down. I get sat down and I'm like Fred Flintstone, like going in one place because I'm so scared. And then I just take off like, and the one thing that I knew to this day that makes it not just my experience, but someone else's is that my friend I was racing was at the end of that sidewalk and he looked back to see where I was and the look on his face was total horror. And once he saw I was on the ground and I was moving, he's moving. And I mean, we didn't ride our big wheels up to our door. I mean, we left them in the yard once we got back in front of our houses. He ran in his house. I ran in my house. And I'm like, Mom, someone just picked me up. And I remember my memory blacks out right there. And I come to and I'm talking to a police officer and she's asking me, well, what does this what does this person look like? And I know that I, I made something up. I know that I made something up because I don't know what he looks like. And this might be a lot of the uh, earlier shows I was listening to talk about um, regressive therapy. That's definitely something I want to do like a hypnosis and see if I can regress this memory and figure out what happened that day. Um, because that was, that is the most paranormal thing that happened to me at that age. Um, and moving forward, my mom had a babysitter. She was a single mother um, on the other side of town. This really dilapidated house, but she had a whole bunch of cool stuff. She had two kids and she was a Christian, but she was also super mystic. Like she loved Halloween. Um, her name was Dorothy. So she would sew. Uh, she was a seamstress. She would sew our Halloween costumes. And I spent a lot of time over there and she would make hers like Dorothy from Wizard of Oz or whatever I wanted. And uh, always had a lot of dogs, but she also had this big trunk and she had like the red jacket from Michael Jackson's Thriller. And she also had a Ouija board. And so I remember when I was listening to your show, um, I had played with a Ouija board when I was a kid. And it was weird because they're Christian and we didn't play with it for too long. But I remember the thing moving on its own and stuff like that. And I couldn't even tell you like what we asked it. Um, but one of the more specific instances with someone, a neighbor of ours, another neighborhood kid, um, my family lives near each other. I was at my aunt's apartment complex because she babysat me as well. Her neighbors, um, uh, the daughter and the mom, they were driving in the middle of the neighborhood over a bridge that goes over a creek this isn't some like it's just asphalt but it's a bridge where it's like a sewage water goes under but that part in the middle of the complex where there's no houses and there's a little playground to the left um they were telling us they were driving over it and this man walked in front of their car and they hit him and they got out the car and nobody was under the car no one was on top of the car he was just gone and as a kid, I always remember that, and that stood out to me. And for me to remember all any memory, but that story stood out to me. Um, and then we moved out of apartment complexes, more so into the country. And I think that's when I started tapping into how sensitive I am to ghosts. And I didn't really 
believe in ghosts at the time. I just thought I was scared of the dark. But in my mom's single family home, um, you know, you can go out on the back porch in the middle of the night. And my older cousin, um, he would just take a flashlight and we would just see all these eyes of possums looking back at us. And now I'm thinking, I don't know if those were all possums, but uh, because I used to see this woman with crazy hair and I used to call her queen of the possums because all I knew was possums were out there standing at my back door that had glass pane on it. And I would turn off the lights in the kitchen and just jet back to the back of the house where the bedrooms were. Um, but that type of feeling would carry on. And I did not know this until I started paying attention to everything that's been happening in the last two years and how my heart races, my anxiety pumps up. And I'm thinking it's just me. It's like, no, dude, that's what people are talking about when they're saying I felt like someone else was in the room. So I went on a school trip in fifth grade, this kid, Andrew, um, he said he saw a ghost and I remember being like freaked out by that. He said it was like a little kid in like a white t-shirt and khaki pants. Um, and we were just all kind of sketched out. And out of all my childhood, like these are some of the most prominent memories. And I just don't count that as nothing. Um, so then I told you about the prophetess. And so moving on to like middle school, my aunt, um, she's my mom's youngest sister. I was just talking to her the other day because I knew I was going to be speaking with you. And I said, hey, you remember that story where you picked up these two little boys and they like disappeared out the back of your car? And she was like, oh, no, 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 you're getting that confused. She was like, those little boys were real. Their mom was looking for them. She's like, you're thinking about the story when I was 19 and I got off a bus and I was walking through this parking lot in uh, like Alabama. It was either rural Alabama or rural Georgia. And uh, this really good looking, you know, we're a family of color. Black man was a janitor, a custodian cleaning up in the parking lot. And he stopped my aunt. She was telling me. And he says, um, um, he asked her something like, do you know who our great grandmother is? Like he said her name. And uh, she's like, yeah. And he's like, oh, because you look just like her. And she was like, oh, okay. Um, he's like, yeah, she used to always wear a backpack because we're a military family. So my aunt had on one of the, I don't know how you call it, but the military backpacks uh, while she was traveling. and. She said she dropped something and she goes to pick it up and she looks up and the guy that was right in front of her was gone. And uh, the, he had told her before she dropped something that they used to call my great grandmother a little bit. And so she called my great grandmother who was alive at the time. And she said, what they used to call you in Louisiana? And my great grandmother was like, Oh, a little bit. Why you ask that? Oh man. Yeah. And she said, why you ask that? And my aunt told her, well, I saw this really good looking dark man. He was a custodian. And she said, oh, that's your uncle Tom Tom. And so I was like, okay, yeah, maybe that's the story I'm remembering. Um, but what really got me and what really like, I know was given to me as a gift was an experience I had 2000. So September 11th happened 2001. So this was 2002 Halloween. 2002 um i'm in this crummy apartment my mom my, her fiance he's at work it's just my mom in her bedroom and i wake up at around 701 a.m i remember and i don't have to be to school until 7 30 7 40 and we literally live across the street from this private school i'm going to um so i'm like snooze 
go back to sleep. I have a dream about like Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck. And then all of a sudden, like many dreams, I'm in this dream that is not a dream, like it's real life. And I'm riding in the back of a car and my stepdad's driving, my mom's in the passenger seat and my godbrothers, my mom's best friend's sons are sitting next to me and I'm in the middle seat and we're all wearing white t-shirts. And I mean, I can feel the bumps in the road as the car is moving. And my stepdad looks out his window and he sees three crosses in the sky. And one of the crosses has a sash across it, a red sash. And he's like, wow, that's really nice someone did that. And I look up and I blink while looking at these floating crosses that look like they were cut out of mattresses. Like they're like these big puffy crosses, like balloons or something. Um, which, yeah. And so when, while I'm blinking, I feel myself ascending and blasting through the clouds and I hear chains falling off of me. And as I hear these chains falling off of me, pieces of me like a, a hard clay are falling off. And the more that that falls off, this shell of who I thought I was or whatever it was, the more the really inner being of me starts coming forth. And the higher I get, I end up rising and I have no worry. I have no fear. I have no... I'm not hungry. I don't have to use the bathroom. I'm not worried about my mom. I'm not worried about who I left behind. And this place is really bright. And I know it's like kind of cloudy and it's so bright. I don't want to open my eyes and I'm only there for probably a few, maybe 10 seconds. But while I'm standing there, someone with like shoulder length hair steps in front of me and I can kind of see through the silhouette in my eye. And they kind of shake their head, or at least I feel that communication. And they're like, no, like, it's not your time, or you're not ready yet. And I don't think, I have this, I have a memory of them kind of reaching their hand out like they pushed me back. And when I open my eyes, I'm looking at my ceiling and I fall like two inches, like I'm floating above my bed. It felt like I just slammed back onto my bed as if like either my body was levitating or my soul like fell back into my body. And I look at the clock and it's 7.01 again. And the same noise that was outside on the busy street or whatever is going on. And it, everything, and I know you deal with like lost time and stuff like that. And that was my lost time experience. And I was shook. I was absolutely like, I just got dressed. I didn't say a word. And I just sat on my couch until my mom took me to school. And I was like, stunned the whole day um but at the same time after that i knew one heaven is for real but i also like when i pray and stuff like that and that's why i didn't meditate for a long time because i was like god please don't ever do that to me again because it wasn't being there that was scary it was coming back so suddenly that really shook me up um there was i think well before that my family, I moved in with my aunt before my mom moved to Virginia. And there was like 10 of us living in that townhouse. And a few of us were downstairs um, watching television. And the television just changed. And it was like all these people with uh, just, you could see their heads like coming out the ground. And there was this very devilish character. Um, and these people were in total agony. Like it was pretty much a depiction of hell. And there's this guy that has a top hat on and a cane and he's like super skinny and scary looking like dancing around on these heads of people like moaning and groaning and it was so disturbing i remember like getting like having to back up from the tv and my other aunt my my mom's first sister 
she just starts screaming for her husband. She's like, Fred, Fred, come down here, come down here. Because no one wanted to get near the TV, and he's a Marine, so he just goes up and slaps the power button. And we're all looking at each other like, what the hell was that? Like, that was not some TV show or movie. I don't know if you know of any movie like that, that maybe, but it was almost like the guy on the screen was like interacting with us and laughing at us. It was really weird. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it was really disturbing. Um, so moving on from that, um, once my mom got on her feet here in Virginia and we were out of that apartment, we moved into another townhouse and, you know, I got established at that middle school. I used to live across the street from now we're on the other side of town and I was dealing with some stuff with a good friend of mine. And, um, I remember but my mom had to retell it to me. But I also remembered after she told me, I had called her into my room in a nightmare, kind of panic state. And she's like, what, what, what? And I'm like, there's a yellow snake on my door. And when I thought about it, I was dreaming that there was this yellow boa constrictor on my door, like on the knob, like covering it up. And she's like, there's nothing on your door. And I'm like, there's a yellow snake on my door. Literally two weeks later, my best friend totally betrays me starts spreading scandalous rumors about me and i fall into a massive massive depression for the rest of the year um and uh my heart really goes out to anyone especially like young kids in middle school like i hear about kids committing suicide and stuff and like yeah. i was there man like i get it but it's just like you gotta hold on um and it's really a gift to have like that heavenly dream because i knew there was something more. And even to this day, it's like, there's more to this life than what I'm seeing. Um, so I know it's like a gift, but moving on to like high school, um, me and my friends. So we get out the townhouse. We have a single family home, Lake community in Virginia. And by senior year, you know, we take our parents' boats out on the lake and drink beer or whatever. And we're all out on the lake, like probably, 10 of us on uh, like a, I guess, a, how you say a pontoon boat. And this one boat, it's like a, just a regular old fishing boat is just cruising across the lake and comes up by us and kind of turns away and there's nobody on it. And my friends are like, wow. Oh, <laughs> they're like, Oh, ghost boat. I'm like, what the, f what are you talking about? They're like, yeah, ghost boat. And this boat just goes off into the mist. And <laughs> I will never forget that. Um, then me and my friends would get into some trouble in Virginia. I think we were around like the Lorton area. Cause there's an old prison by Lorton and we we're walking through the woods and there were these, uh, this fence made out of just like sticks from trees that had fallen. But all these like mutilated animals were at, staked at the top. And then we walked along that and there was an opening and there was like a camp and there was a pentagram. And I guess that was my first person face-to-face -face encounter with satanists because when we were walking out these two guys come up to us and they're like you guys shouldn't be here they're like seriously like you need to get out of here like don't come back and we knew like they were being nice to us because had it been somebody else like they would have gotten physical um and then going on to college um there was an apartment at uh, across the street from my college that I had lived in or hung out in for several years because like I smoked weed, did drugs. And when I was a freshman, I always hung out with older kids. I would hang out with the seniors, but I'd hang out with like the bad kids and apartment 108 was where 
the main like drug dealer, weed dealer lived, him and his friends. Um, and so I would party there or whatever. But then lo and behold, like those friends I mentioned that uh, were super into rock music, the two guys, like some some good friends. Like I could hit them up today. Like I mean, we could chat it up, but we just don't keep up with each other. Um, that I don't know if one dabbled in Satanism or whatever, but they, well, one, one was like super rich. His parents were lawyers and he was like raised by like black maids. So, um, he got along with me real well and he would tell me this verse. I don't, I think it might be in Proverbs or something. And he was like, know ye that we are gods. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, the Bible says it. He's like, dude, we're gods. And I'm like, I don't know, dude. And, (laughs) um, and the other guy was like super into music and not, he wasn't like repping the pentagram and stuff too much, but we would hang out in that apartment. It was really weird because I hung out in that apartment when I was a freshman and then I ended up living there. And the front door would always open and close by itself just randomly. And it's like a condominium com- uh, community, um, not really close to the beach. I'd say probably a quarter mile in from the water. And there's like a grocery store, like a big chain grocery store in between us and then houses that are actually on the beach behind that. And the door would open, so I'd blame it on the wind or whatever. But sometimes when I was home alone, and even when someone else was home, you would hear someone walking around upstairs. And we would blame it on the neighbors or whatever. But we knew the next-door neighbors uh, were one set of them. There were a couple married, but they were hermits, and they were very elusive. And they were just, like, kind of living off their money in Malibu. And uh, the rumor was that their daughter died of a cocaine overdose. So uh, we had gotten into cocaine like pretty bad. And um, like every, like those, these guys were dating girls like that lived two doors down from us. And so we would just all hang. It was like friends except real life version. Um, And we would all hang out. And one day uh, one of the guys got a dog and he needed me to stay home and watch it. And I was seldom because it was such a party house we were seldom there alone, anyone. But that night I ended up being there alone and there's two televisions actually in each corner of the living room because sometimes we'd have like football game parties or whatever, whatever. And so there's a didgeridoo. Uh, Do you know what that instrument is? No, (laughs) I thought you stuttered. (laughs) A didgeridoo (laughs) is a, a big wooden like pipe. It's like a big wooden flute uh, by the aboriginals in Australia and they would use it for rituals and things like that. And it stood taller than me. So it had to be at least like six feet, two inches. Um, and it always stood in this corner by the TV on the right. And, uh, for some reason that night I was watching this little dog. It's like a little pug or something. His name was Huckleberry Gumbo. And, I just felt really uneasy. I felt super uneasy and my heart's racing. And I'm like, I live here. Like, why do I feel so uncomfortable? And it's the first time I'm there alone, but something wasn't right. And about after 30 minutes of like trying to focus on the TV, but not really like my eyes are wandering. This thing that stood in the corner of this room for the whole year I'd lived there just slams down, just pop. And I mean, not just slams down and falls, like maybe a mouse ran through and knocked it off of its little standing thing. Like it falls down and it's pointed right at me. And so 
I, for, at first, for a second, I was a little shocked, but then I, like, when things like this happen, I'm just like, nah, like, we're going in. So I get up, I go put the thing up right, and I'm like, what? Like, whatever you are, like, you got to go, like, get out of here. And the dog, this little dog, is barking, barking, barking at something right above my head. And I try to, he's in the middle of the living room. I'm like, come here, come here. Like, come over here. Show me what you're looking at. And I can just see him looking above my head. And he's just yap, 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 yapping. And um, that was probably the first, like, I mean, violent or physical thing I've seen, like, kind of break the plane between, like, ghostly apparition and, like, our world. Um, other than that, and then I went to Italy and that was crazy um, because our classroom, the whole campus is an old hotel. Um, and it's on this road called Viale Milton, like Milton Street, named after John, I think John C. Milton, who wrote Paradise Lost. Um, and every class leaves a trademark gift. So to go down to the classrooms, you have to go to the basement of this old hotel motel in the middle of florence italy uh building and then the classrooms are down there and they had painted on the stairs on the little roof that hung low this the layers of hell the levels of hell from dante's inferno because they were like making a joke out of like the classes that you have to take in college and how you're doomed because our italian program was the hardest program you could go to it wasn't like a party program um so they were like good luck bro like you're going to class right now but the classroom downstairs the big main one where everyone could fit was called the janet leak classroom and the story about janet leak is that she was one of the first american students to arrive in florence italy for a study abroad program now she got off the plane her baggage showed up at the uh, campus not that one in particular but wherever they were at she never showed up just missing nobody ever found so her parents donated a lot of money to my school and the school named our main classroom after her two weeks later i'm coming home probably three weeks later because i had like we've gone through orientation and stuff like that and then they gave us uh ability to like go out at night and experience Italian nightlife or whatever. So I come home on my own and I'm changing in my room, which is on the second story of this building and faces the front street. Now, two way traffic, you could say it's like a four lane highway, except rather than just a medium in the middle, it's a park. And this park is below ground level. So from my two-story window i can see down to this park there's like a sewage runoff or a little river that runs down there and in order to get down there you have to take the stairs that are at the end of each block by the bridges that would go over um there's a woman i'm like about to change my clothes and there's this chick like just standing there right in front of our building down there at the park looking it looked like she was looking back at me or just at the building but i couldn't see her face and I know it's a girl because I can see her hair. I can see her leather jacket. I can see she's holding a purse, her jeans, and her jeans are kind of flared out. And uh, I wake up my roommate and I'm like, dude, you got to see this. And he, I was like, do you see that chick down there? And he's like, yeah. So we don't want to wake up everyone because it's late at night and I don't want to start screaming or whatever. So we're like waving our arms. We're like trying to get her to do something. She doesn't move. So he's like, dude, I'm going back to sleep after a minute or two. He goes back to sleep. 
I take off my shorts, change my into my pajamas, and I look out there, and not a soul. I mean, she's gone. And the thing about it is, even if she ran full speed, I can see down the block both ways. Actually, I could see like two blocks down from the view of my window. And she would have had to go down to the stairs and go up to get out of that little park area that's in between the roadway. And she was gone. And so I knew that was Janet Leak. And while we were in that building, uh, one of my, uh, I guess, one of the co-eds, this chick, uh, she was Skyping someone in the piano room, which was like a foyer um, from the side street. And it would go into the main office where we would be at the front street and go into the student center. And it's a quiet room. And so she set her computer up on the piano and there's a little bench. So just about three feet walkway behind her and then a bench in the wall. It's a small room. And her friend that's Skyping her is like, who's that old lady that sat behind you? And she's like, what are you talking about? I'm the only one in here. And she's like, no, no, no. There's an old lady sitting right behind you. And so she comes in telling us this crying and stuff. And that was a little weird. Um, but I actually had to stay. Well, actually, I was in the front street foyer and at the computer with my back to the main door. And there are these big mahogany doors. And there's actually a security camera right above the computer. So let's say someone knocks on the door that doesn't have the code. I can look up at the security camera and see who's out there. I hear three loud knocks. Doom, doom, doom. I look, at the, look up at the camera. There's nobody there. Um, I'm like, all right. But I know I just heard these knocks on the door. I open up the door, and there's not anyone on the street. Not a car moving on either side of the park no way moving traffic and the air was like so cold and crisp and it felt like it was almost not even the same year and i didn't even walk out the building i just looked out there i looked down both ways and i was like nah like and just went back inside and i would later stay in that building on my own because i actually stayed for fall spring and summer semester so in between summer semester and the spring no one was there um, and I would go on a moped into the city from the countryside where I was staying and the house I was staying at in the countryside, I couldn't get any of my Italian friends to stay with me because I would later find out that the Vatican trained exorcist on that side of town. Oh. So, <laughs> um, yeah. And I didn't want to stay in that house for some reason. Hmm. I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I would hear people footsteps. It sounded like typical kind of hotel traffic but in the middle of the night i would just hear footsteps walking through and I, I couldn't even go back up to my old room i was so scared and there was really no reason for me to be that scared um and i would just sleep on a couch in the student center and in the summer semester those students came and i came home one night and they were like dude like an alarm went off because the side gate opened up um and uh, and the alarm's ringing and the faculty, the teacher that was there that semester, she was on her own. Most of the time, people bring families and stuff like that. Um, and so she was freaked out. And I guess everyone told me they all got drawn to the basement and split up. And the ba basement, you can go out to a courtyard and stuff like that. And I guess it was really weird because at the same time, everybody ran out of whatever room they were in. And they all met each other in the hallway. Um, and when they looked at the footage the next morning, the gate just opens on its own. 
um, which is why all these alarms, which had never happened, the whole two semesters I had been there already, uh, just opened on its own. So after that, the only other story I have about Italy, uh, my friend took me to his village and we went on a little wine tour and they were showing us where they make the wine. This is like a banquet room in this old wood floor. There's a scratch in the floor. And the tour guide was telling us, he's like, well, the story goes um, the, that there was a party here. I would think closer to like maybe like the 1900s is what he was making it sound like, like not like Renaissance or anything like more recent. There was a party there and everyone or this really a good looking guy showed up and he convinced people to have an orgy so they start having an orgy and then the guy ends up being the devil and rips all these people to hell and the scratch on that floor is like the last seal of where it got closed off and this is like town folklore like this is like well known in this little village outside of florence italy like everyone is like yeah that's the place um and then uh pretty much i mean malibu i lived up uh this canyon that i just actually recently found out uh, a cult used to go up there and sacrifice uh young boys but when i was there um the place i was in was pretty secluded pretty rural and my tv sat in front of a window it was a renovated garage so you'd have to walk around the garage to get in the side door and then across the room was the door to the house. I saw something walk behind the TV outside along the porch, which sat like on a cliff. So you can hear someone walking on the wood. And something told me, get up and lock the door. Because one, I didn't know if the door was locked. And two, no car came up the driveway. And our driveway was super steep, super curvy. And so I get up to close the door and something starts pushing it open. And so I have to actually shoulder it and close it and lock it. Right when I lock the door, the back door to the house swings open. So I'm talking to this guy that's lived there, and he actually confesses, well, actually right where your bed is, um, my old roommate, he stole my dad's car, went to Skid Row, got some heroin and overdosed and died right there. Uh, and of that, course he did. <laughs> yeah makes sense because I actually took a selfie of myself in the mirror and there was someone standing behind me wearing like a screen print tee. And I was like, no way. Like I'm going to retake this photo. So I retook it and the t-shirt so it's like, you can, you can't see their head, but you can see someone standing behind me. And I actually deleted the photos cause I didn't want to like carry that with me. Um, needless to say, I got out of there within a couple of months. <laughs> I, I was just going to ask you, do you still have the photo? I knew you were. I Darn knew you it. were. <laughs> no, I was. I had like a Motorola razor. I was not keeping that photo on there. Oh yeah, that's been fuzzy, anyways. Yeah, yeah. No, no, nobody remembers those phones, and they're like, "What kind of detail is this? This is a crap photo." <laughs> so, you know, all the things that you have experienced here on the paranormal side of things, uh, you mentioned earlier about. Uh, I forget who it was, but. Somebody mentioned that, you know, we are all gods and stuff. And I think they were refer referencing 
uh, Psalms 82. Yeah, Psalm 82 uh, talks about that. I think at least the first half of the chapter. Mm-hmm. And a great reference tool for that to really kind of understand. Now, if you want to get tripped out, <laughs> if you want to get tripped out on the Bible, if you're a Christian and you want to get tripped out on, on the Bible, then look at Dr. Michael Heiser and his book called, uh, what's it called? Um, the Unseen Realm. Okay. He okay. specifically talks about Psalm 82 because Psalm 82 in verse one, uh, it says, God has taken his place in the divine council and in the midst of God's, he holds judgment. And that very first verse, it's not, it's not talking about we as people are gods. He's talking about a separate class here. There's, there's a divine council and in the midst of the gods, lowercase g, he <clears throat> holds judgment. And then he says, how long, will you, how long will you judge unjustly and show partly to the wicked? And he, he kind of goes into these things where uh, he's talking to this divine council of these godlike figures. And in the Hebrew, uh, um, oh, now I'm drawing blanks on what it actually says in the Hebrew. But uh, definitely look, at, look into it because... Uh, I think that's what the person was referencing, and yeah. like it's not accurate as to what they were saying. But if you look into Psalm 82 with Doctor Heiser, your mind's going to get blown. I'm telling <laughs> you right now, your mind's going to get blown, and it's going to open up your your brain to a whole new aspect of what this book is. It's it's absolutely I'm amazing. Stoked. That's great. And so yeah, Dr. Michael Heiser, you can actually, he teaches about it on YouTube and stuff. You can just look him up on YouTube, Dr. Michael Heiser, and um, just just, go- just Google or YouTube, Dr. Michael Heiser, Unseen Realm. You'll get probably 48 hours worth of videos. That to, to, <laughs> right on. So, but he, he's, he's fantastic because he actually is uh, a, a real scholar, like a true scholar. Uh, he works at Logos, which is one of the biggest Bible software countries, uh, companies in the world. Uh, and he, he knows like unknown languages that like are forgotten languages. He's the guy that sits down what? with like the, the actual manuscripts and um, translates them. Like he's, he's wow. legit. Like he knows what it says, you know? And so it's, it's really fantastic to listen to him talk. But anyways, um, as a Christian, you know, mm-hmm. I, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on how do you view the things that you've experienced that others have experienced around you? Uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of people that get frustrated with Christians that are like, it's all demons. What do you say? What do you think? There is no right or wrong answer. What do you think this stuff that's going on around you and other people is? Is it all the same thing, all from the same source, different sources, different things? What are your thoughts? Sure. Well, for one, I know uh, I'm an old soul. I think uh, I'm a Christian. I also believe in reincarnation and maybe reincarnation in the fact that maybe I've lived this life before. Um, So the people that are closed off or skeptical or just want to point to demonic things off the bat might be younger souls. Um, but where I'm at my soul, my spirit, my nature, my essence can handle this, this time around. And with that, maybe achieve whatever Nirvana, because I think in my opinion, that is what Jesus had and was the essence of 
which is why you could access healing and miraculous things and um you know break planes of whatever might be uh i say dimensional uh, factors but you know i'm it's a gift i mean any experience that is outside of these parameters uh this book it's not a book anymore for me like i can tell it used to be but for this essence the soul whatever i am when this body dies um the story is not just you know the two slabs of you were born and you died there's so much more going on over that and i think i heard it from someone they're like life is like sticking your finger into a, a glass of water and that's what your body is like and when you die you take it out and your finger is just a part of you so now in our eyes in this world we only have two what if your eyes were actually all over your you had you're just one eye and you can see 360 and you can see you know they say colors that you've never seen before and things like that what if that's energy or um what if we're already seeing that and just in one angle and things like that so one i don't close myself off um nothing is case closed for me and two it's really it makes life really exciting it just makes life so much more exciting um if i don't have a reason to get out of bed the unknown is certainly something that'll uh be a motivating factor so i hope that might answer a little bit of your question yeah i mean like i said there was no right or wrong answer it's all okay. about how you view things and how you see things uh but eric man dude i really appreciate you coming on sharing these stories and uh if i ever get into that area where you saw the burbs and stuff maybe you can meet up with me and we can kind of <laughs> go you know knock on some doors and crawl around some basements and find some <laughs> you know dead bodies that were buried by satanists or something <laughs> i'm trying to make it home tony i don't know about that but <laughs> well you know hey man they made it home in the movie so it's okay <laughs> anyways man i really appreciate you coming on and talking i appreciate it yeah thanks for having me Well, that's the show, everybody. I really hope you enjoyed it. And if you did enjoy it, go ahead and share this show with your friends. Email, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, I don't care how. But if you enjoyed the show, go ahead and share it with your friends today. And also a reminder, if you are interested in becoming a member, go to theconfessionalspodcast.com, hit the join button, and sign up for your membership today. And until next week, friends, stay safe, take care, and remember, the truth will set you free, but first it will piss you off. Bye. Headline edition, July 8, 1947. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. Army officers say the missile, found sometime last week, has been inspected at Roswell, New Mexico, and sent to Wright Field, Ohio, for further inspection.
edition, July 8, 1947. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. Army officers say the missile, found sometime last week, has been inspected at Roswell, New Mexico, and sent to Wright Field, Ohio, for further inspection. I must admit, I didn't think much of Merkel first time I laid eyes on him. (laughs) Oh, man, the audience is going to be like, what the hell is going on? All right, let me try again. I'm keeping the uh, the chip sound effect. You know, the Sasquatch eating Doritos. It makes me laugh. It's non-negotiable. So we walk into the bar. <clears throat> the noise of the chair will move. Here, I'll start off. What's it called? Let me start again. I'm, I'm just talking too much. I'm sorry. <laughs> we, we can... <laughs> no, it's uh, right. I mean, we'll start again. Just the bar scene. I think I, I, I kept on over talking on you. 
I mean, it doesn't really matter. You can edit it out, but it might help with the flow if I actually do it right. Yo, why are you telling me this in the third person? First person. That's what I meant. Because <laughs> <laughs> it works better if I tell the story in first person. Yo, why are you... Why are you <clears throat> Yo, why are you telling me this in the first person? Because the story works better if I tell it in first person. Okay. Dick. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to go and pay for our drinks when we get out of here? What was I supposed to say? <laughs> that Tony Merkel never pays for drinks. Look at him. <laughs> you can't say that. Don't say that. <laughs> All right. Um... All right, I got it this time. I got it. Just mute. Looks like stiff breeze could blow him over. <laughs> oh, man. A stiff freaking breeze. And this is hilarious. I must admit, I didn't think much of Merkel first time I laid eyes on him. Looks like a stiff breeze could blow him over. That was my impression of the man. I could see why some took the man as annoying. He had a walk and a talk that just wasn't normal around here. And boy, could he drink. He drank like a man that didn't have a care or worry in the world. I hope to be done with this talk show one day. I hope fans stop asking me to do stupid voiceovers like this. I hope. Yo, man, what's up? Uh, Not a whole lot. Just in deep thought. Ah. Thinking good thoughts. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you want to go get some drinks? Yeah, let's get some drinks, man. All right, cool. Can we get two whiskeys on the rocks? Have a seat, brother. Yeah, it's been one of those weeks, man. You ever heard the uh, William Rowe encounter? Uh, no, I don't think I have. Well, let me tell you the story. The story begins in 1955. Ever since I was a small boy back in the forests of Michigan, I have studied the lives and habitats of wild animals. Later, I supported my family in northern Alberta by hunting and trapping. I've spent many hours just observing the wild things. They fascinated me. But the most incredible experience I ever had with a wild creature occurred near a little town in British Columbia, about 80 miles west of Jasper, Alberta. I had been working on the highway for about two years. In October... Yo, why are you telling me this in the first person? Because the story works better if I tell it in first person. Okay. I had been working on the highway for about two years. In October 1955, I decided to climb five miles up Micah Mountain to an old deserted mine, just for something to do. I came inside of the mine about three o'clock in the afternoon. I had just come out of a patch of low brush into a clearing when I saw what I thought was a grizzly bear. It was in the bush on the other side. 
I had shot a grizzly near that spot the year before. This one was only about 75 yards away, but I didn't want to shoot it, for I had no way of getting it out. So I sat down on a small rock and watched, my rifle in my hands of course. I could see part of the animal's head and the top of one shoulder. A minute later it raised up and stepped out into the opening. Then I saw it, it was not a bear. My first impression was of a huge man, about six feet tall, almost three feet wide, and probably weighing somewhere near 300 pounds. It was covered from head to foot with a dark brown silver tipped hair. But as it came closer, I saw that it had breasts and it was a female. And yet its torso was not curved like a female's. Its broad frame was straight from shoulder to hip its arms much thicker than a man's arms and longer, reaching almost to its knees. Its feet were broader than a man's, about five inches wide from the front and then tapering back to a thinner heel. When it walked, it placed the heel of its foot down first. I could see a gray-brown skin or hide on the soles of its feet. It came to the edge of the bush I was hiding in, within 20 feet of me, and squatted down on its haunches. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. It was reaching out with its hands. It pulled the branches towards its mouth and stripped the leaves with its teeth. Its lips curled flexibly around the leaves as it ate. I was close enough to see its teeth. They were white and even. The head was higher at the back than at the front. The nose was broad and flat. The lips and chin protruded farther than its nose. It had so much hair that covered its face leaving bare only parts of the face around the mouth, nose, and ears. It resembled an animal as much as a human. None of the hair, even on the back of its head, was longer than an inch. And the hair on the face was much shorter. Its ears were shaped like human ears. Its eyes were small and black, like a bear's. And the neck was also unhuman, thicker and shorter than any man's I've ever seen. As I watched the creature, I wondered if some movie company was making a film, but as I observed it more, I decided it would be impossible to fake such a specimen. Things got real, real quick. Finally, the wild thing must have gotten my scent. It looked directly at me through an opening in the brush. Ah, sigh of relief. The creature had a look of amazement that crossed its face. It looked so comical at the moment, I had to grin. Still in a crouched position, it backed up three or four short steps, then straightened up to its full height, and started to walk rapidly back the way it had come. For a moment, it watched me over its shoulder as it went. Not exactly afraid, but as though it wanted no contact with anything strange. The thought came to me that if I shot it, I could possibly have a specimen of great interest to scientists the world over. I've heard stories of Sasquatch from the legends of the British Columbian Indians. Also others have made many claims. Maybe this was a Sasquatch, I told myself. I leveled my rifle. The creature was still walking rapidly away, again turning its head to look in my direction. I lowered my rifle. Although I had called the creature an it, I felt now that it was a human being, and I knew I would never forgive myself if I killed it. 
Just as it came out to the other patch of brush, it threw its head back and made a peculiar noise that seemed to be a half laugh and half language. (laughs) Then it walked from the small brush into a stand of long pole pines. I stepped out in the opening and looked across a small ridge just beyond the pine to see if I could see it again. It came out on the ridge a couple hundred yards away from me, tipped its head back again, and again emitted some strange, odd sound. Sounded like half laugh, half language. I don't know. It disappeared then, and I never saw it again. I wanted to find out if it lived on vegetation entirely or ate meat as well. So I went down and looked for signs. I found it in five different places, and although I examined it thoroughly, I could find no hair, or shells, or bugs, or insects. So I believe it's strictly vegetarian. I found one place where it slept for a couple nights under a tree. Now the nights were cool up on the mountain at this time of year, and yet it had not used a fire. I found no sign that it possessed even the simplest of tools, nor a single companion while in this place. Whether this was a Sasquatch, I don't know. It will always remain a mystery to me, unless another one is found. I hereby declare the above statement to be in every part true, to the best of my powers of observation and recollection. Signed, William Rowe. And that's the story of William Rowe, 1955 encounter, one of the classics. So you can't pay for our drinks or what? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll go pay for the drinks. Yeah, that sounds good. That sounds real good. Tony Merkel, guy never pays for a drink, ever. Hey, I pay for the drinks again. I paid for the last ten. Mm, that's actually probably accurate. Let's get out of here, man. All right, man, let's go. Hey, what are you doing? I'm going to class this place up before we leave. All right. Let's get out of here. Let's go.
eyes, girl. Look inside, girl. Let the sound take you away. 